as Native people, we talk about uh, seven generations. So what we do now is going to affect our seven generations down the road. And that's something I think about constantly uh, in my work. And in that moment, I saw that what my actions did affected the next generation right after me. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lam. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is at its core a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week, we have great conversations with guests from a bunch of different backgrounds, and we learn about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community. And it all centers around the big point of purpose in our lives. And I can't wait to continue amplifying Native voices today. I'm really excited for our conversation today. We actually have two guests today. Not one, but two guests. So we're going to switch it up a little bit and talk about some important work being done at the American Indian Community Housing Organization in Duluth. And that's also known as ACO. ACO is expanding their culturally responsive domestic violence shelter called Dabinuigan to help more victims and survivors of domestic and sexual violence in their community. And also, just FYI, ACO's having a concert fundraiser in April in partnership with the Ordine Foundation. All money raised will go toward the Dabinu Igan shelter expansion. We'll talk a little bit about that, but we will be talking to Sashin Goslin and Deanna Rader. Sashin Goslin is a Prairie Band Potawatomi Redcliffe Ojibwe and Kickapoo community member or citizen, and is the Indigenous Health Coordinator at ACO, serving the Indigenous and BIPOC community in Duluth. So that's pretty cool. And then Deanna Rader serves as the legal advocate for Dabinu Igan Domestic Violence Shelter at ACO in Duluth. Deanna is also in the process of earning her JD or Juris Doctorate at Mitchell Hamlin School of Law. So two great guests working for our communities, working for the Indigenous BIPOC community in Duluth, so really incredible work. And yeah, so we'll get to hear about that shelter expansion. And then we'll hear a little bit about the upcoming fundraiser. Boujou to the both of you. Could we just uh, start out by getting some introductions, please? Maybe let's start with uh, Sashin. Anin, Sashin Nindijinikab, Nisquabakandin Dujba. Uh, my name is Sashin Goslin. Um, I come from the place with Red Cliffs, Red Cliff, Wisconsin. I am the Indigenous Health Coordinator at ACO. Um, good afternoon. My name is Deanna Rader, and I am the Domestic Violence Legal Advocate at Dabinuigan Domestic Violence Shelter. Thank you both so much for that. And can you tell us a bit about the Dabinuigan Domestic Violence Shelter? Kind of wh- what is it and where does it stand today? Deanna, would you like to kick us off with that? So first off, so I know with Davenu again, uh, it's, well, it's Anishinaabe Owen for a place where you are safe, comforted, comforted and sheltered. And when we take those words, when we take what that means, it's really to create a space for those who are fleeing domestic violence and creating an environment where we can meet them where they're at, whatever that may be, whether it's respite or to flee from violence. It's really just trying to give them a, create a space where they can feel safe. And 
Right now, as a result of COVID, we had to go to a remote site where it wasn't um, where we weren't there on site with them. But we just recently were able to open up our temporary shelter and which is like a home setting. And when we were building and putting that temporary shelter together, the the goal was to make it feel like a home, not just another institution, not just another place, but a home feeling because it is a, it's meant to be a place of healing while there's like a lot of important goal setting, finding housing uh, or relocating in the interim outside of those business hours, it's meant to be a home. And so when we, when our temporary shelter was being developed, it was, we were being very intentional with how we were building it, what was being set where, how can we make people feel welcomed? Um, And then also how can we make sure it's culturally appropriate? Like how can we make sure we have a sense of belonging with that being said, that being our temporary shelter, I know like long term, our goal is to have our bigger shelter, um, which is a which is a work in progress. But in the meantime, I'm really excited that we have that home feeling again. Sashin, do you have anything to add to that? As a um, community member in Duluth, as someone who works in ACO, what are your general thoughts on the domestic violence shelter? Deanna is our our shelter guru. Um, <laughs> out of out of the both of us, she knows Dabanugan very very well, and that's um kind of what's incredible. That um what makes our team is that we have specialties in different areas. So I'm a fairly new resident to the Duluth area. I've been here probably about a year and a half, um, but really over the last year is when I've inserted myself into this community. And it's very clear that we need these services. Dabanugan plays an essential role um, into the healing of our communities. There's not there's not a lot of shelters out there. Uh, they're full a lot of the times. And that says a lot what we need to bring into this community. And that's like a driving factor behind um, not just the goals of Dabanugan or their mission, but moving forward. Um, how are we going to address the issues around domestic violence. What can we do? What Dabanugan does is inserts our cultural values um, into their mission. And we are the only uh, domestic violence shelter uh, that I know of in the area that is specifically uh, working on uh, something like that, which is pretty incredible considering how big our native population is in this area. Um, We are in the treaty area of 1854. We have uh, several reservations within an hour distance around our area. A lot of people use our services and I think it's great. It's a true blessing that we're able to provide services as a full organization of ACO, so American Indian Community Housing Organization, but also uh, Dabanugan Domestic Violence. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Sashin Goslin and Deanna Rader, who both work at the American Indian Community Housing Organization, and we're taking time today to focus on ACO's culturally responsive domestic violence shelter expansion. Sashin, maybe while we're on you, can you talk a bit about your role at ACO and how you got into that role and why it's important to you? It's pretty crazy um, <laughs> how I ended up at ECO. So, like, um, I don't believe in coincidences. 
I believe in fate. And I think I was meant to be in this position for a reason and do the work that I do. So over the course of the last six years, I would say um, I worked all around Indian country in different settings, including like higher education, natural resources. And now I work in Indigenous health. Um, and all of those contribute to the work I do now. Um, so like I said, I've, I've been at ACO for a year now, um, working on our health initiatives, specifically around COVID. Specifically, what I'm doing is a lot of educational outreach. Um, I'm out in the community a lot, talking about not just how to keep yourself safe from COVID, um, but we are one of the biggest providers of COVID vaccinations in the Duluth area right now, which is very cool. Um, over the last year, we've um, vaccinated close to 600 people just at our location here in Duluth. We have a health equity initiative um, that's pretty incredible. And um, I really do believe that we'll move mountains with this, um, with this initiative in um, what we define as Indigenous health. Um, and that will be the, the track that you know, we move forward on. And um, it's interesting how I got involved with um, Dabanugan. <laughs> so we're a small organization. We have less than 30 employees. And um, the idea of uh, the fundraiser um, or, you know, plans of moving forward, how this came, came from this like little speck of an idea and it just blew up. And um, we put together this incredible team of six people on it. Um, we all have different roles that we do here, all different aspects, not just the shelter, but our cultural resources. Ivy gets a shout out for that. And then also on the health side. And um, it's like the epitome of what um, like great teamwork is. <laughs> we really highlight each other. And um, out of that is going to come this incredible event that not just benefits our organization, but this entire community. Like this shelter is going to have, uh, I can't like accentuate this enough, how amazing that this will be and that we'll be able to have it here and to provide uh, this vital resource here to this community. I wanted to ask the, a similar question to Deanna and just, you know, how you got into your role at ACO. I feel like it's the Sheen, you and I, this is why we go really well together. It, it, it's very similar because I do believe in fate. I do believe like, opportunities like it, it just if it's meant to be it's meant to be and so I went to uh my undergrad at DePaul University in Greencastle Indiana I was actually born and raised in Las Vegas and when I came to finding my what college I wanted to go to it was like just a very random very random uh my best friend growing up her last name was DePaul and I was like I'm gonna apply to school I don't know what it is but I'm gonna take a chance so I ended up going there I got my degree in political science and anthropology. And when it came time to graduating, I still had no idea what I would do. I went to my advisor and I said, I don't know what to do, but I know I want to work with the community. I don't want it to be like a nine to five job, like behind the desk, necessarily like same story, different day. I want it to be like, I just want to do something like out there. What's that job title? My advisor had no idea what that was. So I was like, okay, well, on to the next step. So I graduated after I went back home to Las Vegas to be with my mom. And unfortunately, part of that was uh, my mom was currently in uh, a, uh, in a domestic violence relationship. And so 
it was, uh, and that was actually what I had a lot of growing up in was not knowing then what I know now was domestic violence and seeing a lot of unhealthy relationships uh, with my mom. And it finally got to a point uh, with that particular relationship, I had to call my family and it was like two in the morning and I said, help me. I need to get out of here. I didn't feel safe. Uh, My aunt actually bought my plane ticket back out to Wisconsin. And uh, so I I relocated back in 2016 after still having no idea what to do. I had left my animals behind. I left pretty much almost everything behind except that I brought with me two suitcases. And that was really hard leaving my mom because uh, I think that was one of the biggest things, knowing that she was still in that situation. But I knew for my own mental health, my own sanity and safety, I had to get out of there. So I relocated um, to be with my grandma, my family, which I was I'm really fortunate because I know that's not the circumstances for everyone. Oftentimes people are, are leaving and going, fleeing and going into the unknown. So uh, I ended up working a couple of jobs and then. Finally, one of those jobs when I was um, a hostess at a social worker was just like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I just gave that same description. <laughs> and she was like, well, uh, what about this uh, uh, family advocate position? And I was like, I have no idea what that does. And so I ended up applying. I didn't get it, but they offered me a different role as a community advocate where I'd work with families who are involved with CPS and CHIPS and um, and where it was involved. And I got to work with families on housing. Uh, domestic violence was a component of it and helping families get reunified uh, with their kiddos. And that was kind of my first like introduction into a lot of uh, learning about homelessness, uh, really getting a good understanding of what domestic violence is, systems barriers. A lot about historical trauma, generational trauma, even I think that was my first exposure to learning about boarding schools. And here I am, like, I think at 22 at this point, and I'm just now learning about such a big, a big piece of history that somehow got missed along the ways of my education system. But another topic for another day, I know. Um, And in that being said, one of the families I worked with, I was met with... um, the, the previous legal advocate for Adama Newigan. And when my grant ended for that, for my community advocate, she was like, well, are you still interested in this? And I said, I very much am like this little fire passion that uh, kind of developed. And so um, she was also attending law school at that time. And so as she was transitioning out, she got me into this. And that was almost five years ago. So this year will be my fifth year at ACO. And I just, I haven't, what was meant to be a very temporary situation in Superior ended up being a permanent thing. Um, and I'm glad. And I think um, ha- I when those people, when we cross paths with people, I think that can really, it can, it can just open up so many doors. And I, I think the people I cross paths with really helped put me on the path of finding what my passion was. So I think even though what I grew up in, I didn't know what that was. I didn't have a name for it. Or, I mean, I know a name existed, but as a child, I didn't know. Um, It just put a lot into perspective. And I'm really grateful that I know and have a good understanding of domestic violence. And that's kind of want to put that back now into the community and working with families, uh, victim survivors. Thank you so much, Deanna, for sharing your story. I think that's so important. Like, that experience is just... I, 
you don't, I, I wouldn't wish that on you, but I appreciate that you share that and have that perspective. And I, I had a question I wanted to open up to both of you. Um, maybe we start with Sashin, but just what are some, are there some experiences or stories working at ACO that, you know, that you can share that stick with you and kind of drive your passion and work within the community? I actually just had a moment the other day. Um, I've been doing some outreach around youth. I went to a school district two and a half hours from here to do outreach and um, posted a couple pictures on social media, you know, showing what I was doing that I was excited about it. And um, one of our youth here um, has me on Facebook and um, made a comment and um, said, can you come to our school district next? And like that moment right there, like made me realize several different things. Like our youth are watching us. They're watching our moves. They're watching what we do, um, the impact that we make. And that made me so excited to keep doing what I'm doing because we're making a difference. And um, it, like, I always feel like I have a light bulb going off on my head. <laughs> and um, it's just, like, it makes me excited for our future as Native people, as an organization, to see that, like, our excitement for these things, though, is, like, wearing off or, like, going on other people for their excitement. Like, what that you said meant that he's proud to be a part of this organization or to associate with our organization and wants us to represent like what we do at his school to come in there to do that at his school. And that is so exciting because, you know, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, that wasn't the case. And uh, like thinking about like the evolution of native peoples, like what has happened uh, during like colonial times is absolutely devastating. And we are still picking ourselves up from that daily. And um, as Native people, we talk about uh, seven generations. So what we do now is going to affect our seven generations down the road. And that's something I think about constantly uh, in my work. What I do now is going to affect that seven generations now. And in that moment, I saw that what my actions did affected the next generation right after me, directly right after me. And it was just, I'm still like, excited and uh, um, about that moment, I uh, texted several different people that sent that screenshot. And I, it's like, I am absolutely excited about this. Like this one little comment just probably made my entire year. It just, um, it blew the door wide open of what we are capable of. And it's exciting to see that next generation seeing that because they're able to uh, follow right behind us. How about you, Deanna? What's an experience that you'd like to share? Mine, mine was recent also, more so in the summer, but um, I was meeting with a, I was, I was uh, working with a family and the mom texted me, um, someone who I've uh, been able to work with for a while, texted me, do you know anything about the backpack drive? And I said, the usual resources of what I know. And then when I looked into it, I saw one of the backpack drives I referred her to, it was canceled. And I was like, oh no, like, what can I do? And Sashim mentioned earlier about like, what started out as like a little idea has prospered. And that is what I love about ACO so much. It's like you can start with an idea and the amount of support you get into it. And so I said, uh, singing to myself, well, why don't we have a backpack drive? And I think we had like three weeks until school up, school started. 
And so I was like, I don't know how, but I'm going to figure it out. And so then I went to my director and I said, I'm going to make this happen. How much do you think we need to raise? And she said about maybe a little over $7,000. So I was like, all right. So I put a call to letter or call to action letter and everything. I sent it out. Long story short, out of all that, we were able to have a successful backpack drive. We distributed, I think, over 200 backpacks um, and we raised close to $10,000. And I actually went back to the family. I was like, you inspired this. Like, it's the people I work with who inspire ideas from me. And I and I think by being a part of Ego too encourages those ideas. Um, and when we got to do the backpack drive, I think seeing that like come to fruition, like you saw, we had families lining up and I think all the backpacks were gone within five minutes. And also I, I, what was great about that too, it's like, it was like a no questions asked, like, come, if you need it, you need it. And that's why I also, and that was partially inspired too, by our food distribution. When we give out food boxes, we didn't ask why you needed or how much we just gave it because there's a need for it. Like, and I always think like, if we have the resources, share, share it. Why hold it? Like that the, I don't need it any more than anyone else. So it's like, if we have it, then I think about giving it. So that is what uh, my favorite moments. That's the theme, sharing our gifts, sharing our resources. You know, something I have, I can share with you. Something you have, you can share with me. And I tell you, natives and supporting one another when it's like, when there's a call to action and there's a trusted organization, we're there. We're there for it. <laughs> it's really beautiful and, you know, just one of my my favorite things to see. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Sashin Goslin and Deanna Rader, who both work at the American Indian Community Housing Organization, also known as ACO. And we're taking a time today to focus on the organization's culturally responsive domestic violence shelter expansion. Let's pivot a little bit to the fundraiser for the expansion of the domestic violence shelter. And while we're here, maybe Deanna, what's the next phase that you're hoping to expand into with the shelter? So by... A lot of what the, what we've been promoting with this concert is the the need for the our shelter expansion is about six hundred thousand um, dollars, and with that expansion, that's going to be going towards our brand new shelter, which would be a twenty four bed shelter, which is amazing because even before the pandemic, we were at a ten bed, so we would be increasing more than fifty percent with the twenty four bed shelter, and we'll be able to expand it um, to those to those fleeting. So it's not um, because we serve also in addition to domestic violence, we serve those who, uh, who are fleeing from sexual violence and also trafficking. And the, the reality is uh, in what we put uh, into our call to action for what's promoting our fundraisers, the fact of in, in 2021, we in our capacity that we currently have, we were able to serve about 500 individuals, but yet of those 500 we serve, 200 were about turned away. And that is because of lack of space. And by having to turn away, I mean, we don't know the, the full circumstances, what happens after someone's turned away, but just not being able to meet those needs is, it can be very unsatisfying and very, it's very sad because there is, and what, what Sashin was mentioning earlier is there's a need. And 
when ACO was built back, you know, back in 1993, it was in a response to a crisis. Dabinugan was one of the first programs or the first program that started that got ACO off the ground. And that was to respond to the need for these crises. So our goal with this expansion would be increasing our bed size. Wonderful. And Sashin, how about you give us an overview of this big named concert fundraiser? I know I'm excited about who's performing. Can you talk about the concert fundraiser? Yeah, so we are incredibly excited about this. So it's in partnership with the Ordeen Foundation, which is absolutely fabulous. Um, we will have Annie Humphrey, Key Sakola, Eric Koskin, and also a local drum group at it. Um, it'll be like two hours just jam-packed <laughs> of great music. Um, so it's going to be on a Thursday night, April 6th, uh, 7 p.m., um, right now, we actually have tickets on sale with a discount, which is pretty cool. It was really important for us when um, we were coming up with this event that it's affordable. You know, this is a fundraiser, but we want to give something back also. And a way of that is having a fun night of music. Um, we'll have some vendors of our sponsors on site, which will be exciting. You can see some of the resources that the Duluth community has. Um, and like I said, so we, part of it is like we want it to be affordable. And um, so right now, let's see, we have $10 off until the end of February using the code UNITY um, at checkout. And that would bring tickets down to $20. So then we'll have um, $20, $40, and $60 tickets. Um, we really hope to um, sell out naturally. It'd be really stinking cool if we did. <laughs> Uh, especially as this is, um, you know, our biggest fundraiser since COVID has happened, our biggest event in years. And to have these amazing artists, you know, use their voices, too, um, as we bring awareness to uh, domestic violence in the area. But fundraising for this great cause, um, it's really exciting that all proceeds uh, are going to go right to the shelter expansion. Fantastic. Well, as we round out our conversation here, is there anything you want to make sure to add before we say Gigawabaman? Sashin? You guys do not want to miss out on this concert. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> um, so you can find tickets to buy tickets on uh, the ECO website, so on the Fun DV Shelter. But you can also find them on North Shore Theater's website, too. And we would love to see you there. Awesome. We'll take care. Yeah. Hi to everybody at ACO. <laughs> oh yeah. Good stuff there. Lots lots of good stuff. And I like that ACO has been able to move from being reactive to proactive. That's really cool. Really a good sign of building strength in our communities. And as we round out here, I just want to make sure to mention the Strong Hearts Native Helpline is a culturally specific helpline for Native Americans impacted by domestic dating and sexual violence. So if you or someone you know needs help, safety, or resources any time of day, 365 days a year, Strong Hearts Native Helpline is 844-7-NATIVE. That's 844 
8483. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giga Wabman. Giga Wabman. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, wherever you find podcasts, and find all of Minnesota Native News' content at minnesotanativenews.org.